1: Good afternoon, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Joe DeRocco, Northeast Ohio Regional President for Fifth Third Bank and a proud City Club member. I'm honored to introduce today's speaker, the co-owner of the Cleveland Browns and the Columbus crew, D. Haslam. Dee Haslam and her husband Jimmy are rising leaders in the professional sports serving as co-owners of popular NFL and MLS franchises. Ms. Haslam is one of eight women with primary ownership of an NFL team and is the first woman to be on the Major League Soccer Board of Governors. A University of Tennessee graduate, Ms. Haslam began her career in in the television business working for her father, Ross Bagwell. In 1999, she and her partner, Rob Lundgren, took over Bagwell Entertainment and renamed it River Media, a successful company whose productions include the well-known Trading Spaces and Whale Wars, among others. Today she is actively involved in both franchises and their respective philanthropic and community efforts. Her work helped earn the Browns ownership the Tank Younger Award from the Fritz Pollard Alliance for having built one of the most diverse front offices in all of sports. Ms. Hassam has also received recognition with the YWCA Tribute to Women's Community Service Award, a Junior Achievement Business Award, University of Tennessee Distinguished Alumni Award, and many more. She is passionately involved in initiatives around education, especially advocating for school choice in fighting chronic absenteeism. Today, we will hear insights from her journey in the world of business and professional sports. Ms. Haslam will be in a conversation with City Club CEO Dan Malthrop. Mr. Molthorpe was appointed CEO of the City Club in 2013 after many years as a member, volunteer, and a frequent moderator. A Cleveland transplant, he is also an award-winning journalist, a former high school teacher, and a graduate of UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. Esteemed guest, members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming them to the stage, Ms. Dee Haslam and Mr. Dan Mulca.
0: Hey there, Dee.
2: Hi. Welcome
0: to the City Club. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an
3: honor, thank um, you for having
0: me. We're delighted to have you. Um, can we just pause for a moment and recognize what a fun game that was to watch last night?
3: <laughs> Um, it, I mean, it's only preseason, um, but, but it was fun to watch and fun to see some really young players shine last night. That was really exciting, especially the punt at the end. 86-yard uh, return. Yard return. It, w- it was really amazing, so we, that was, that's a fun story.
0: That, that felt like a really important moment in the game, um, maybe even more important than Baker's two-minute drill at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but the, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, Damian, Sheehy, Giuseppe, he seems to represent something.
3: He does. I mean, if you know the story... Um, Danny, I don't know that
0: everybody does. So.
3: Well, he's a young man that um, played some junior college football <laughs> but um, had dreams to play in the NFL, and he uh, has he spent his last time to go to Miami because he heard a Brown scout, was one of our personnel guys who was going to be there. Um, and so he showed up, talked his way in somehow to practice, and he made he he got an invitation to come to cleveland and and has 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 he's part of the 90 man roster right now which is like unbelievable but then last night uh he's the hardest working guy i think in the in, in the house he really does he works tremendously hard he has nothing he's put his whole life on the line for this and so that story of dreams i think resonates well with cleveland and resonates so well with our team and that what we were so proud of is how that team rushed the field Yeah, so excited for him uh, that that shows us that we're really one or really a team so I'm just that's glad you didn't get injured at the bottom of the, the pile unless, I know I worried about that too <laughs> um, but that was the most important thing we saw is just you know we've come together as a team it's very exciting
0: yeah that feels really different for it this feels really good for this organization I bet <laughs> I bet it does
3: really good
0: yeah um you know you and uh, and the and the organization I think have been a, on a on a journey since you since you and your husband took ownership really yeah <laughs> um, but this you know last year felt like a real turning point
3: yes i mean i mean um Obviously, um, it's been a journey for all of Cleveland, I think,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, for a number of years. And we have felt that from the moment we um, landed here seven years ago almost to the day, that or a week ago, it was seven years, um, where we came to Cleveland and realized we knew that Cleveland was an historic team and sports was important to this town but we had no idea how important it was really to a community until we got involved and realized that it does matter to this community. And um, we've, the suffering's been long and we are so excited that we um, um, appear to have a team that we can get behind and be excited about. So we're just really excited for our fans, really excited for our, our um staff and, and people that have worked for years for this team, 20 years, 15 years mm-hmm. at, at this table here. People that have suffered working hard. <laughs> um, we're so grateful for our entire um, organization uh, for all the work they put into it too. So for the fans and organization, we couldn't be more delighted.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think that the... Um, I.
3: We haven't done anything yet as no, the coach will say, like, yeah. but um, we're very excited. Well,
0: you you have a lot to build on, um, more to build on this year, it seems. Um, is there another town in the United States where you would have um, sort of a such an ingrained fan base? Like I was just saying, like if you were going to choose to own an NFL team anywhere, this would be the the town with the fan base that would have sort of just. The highest expectations, and be so ready to be also like sort of ready to be disappointed as well. Do you know what I mean? Like,
3: <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, our family is from Knoxville, Tennessee, and the University of Tennessee is everything in that town. And football in Tennessee is everything. It, and people live and die by it. and Your moods change by it. So, um, when we thought we had the opportunity for an NFL team, which is even hard to even imagine, right? That you're thinking about buying an NFL team and you don't realize it till it hits you. But um, one of the places that was circled was, we want to be part of a community that really cares about football and we want a historic football team, Mm -hmm. Um, that's good news and bad news, right? Right, right. (laughs) If we had gone... um, Yeah,
0: be careful what you wish for.
3: Right, if you've gone to the Titans, which doesn't have that um, adamant, um, doesn't have that long-standing history, but um, that Cleveland does, it's very different, uh, something that Cleveland should be really proud of, actually, that we do have this um, uh, ingrained culture we talk all the time about how sports is that great unifier. No mm-hmm. matter what background you come from or what you believe, you, your differences come all together when you're uh, on the, uh, a, part of a part of something like that in, in rooting for a team, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the Cavs or the Indians or the Browns, right. it's, it's a great unifier for this community. And I think that makes it really special.
0: It does, absolutely. Um, being an owner. Is a different sort of thing. Uh, what did you know? You were minority owners. You, you and Jimmy were minority. owners Which is owners
3: heaven, before. by the way, because yeah. you have no pressure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what did you think it was going to be, and what did it turn out to be?
3: Oh, you have no idea. I mean, look, you know, you have no idea what it's going to be like, or or even get your head around. Our gra- we watch our grandchildren, and they were little, little babies when we bought the team seven years ago, and they. They're out there, like, well, this is no big deal. Or out on the NFL field, field, they're, you know, we're watching the games, and we're like, sometimes we got to go. You don't understand yeah. <laughs> what it takes to do this, to be part oh. of something like this. It's a true honor, being part of the NFL. It um, really is an amazing honor and Jimmy and I were fortunate enough to take a week off this summer which uh, that doesn't ever happen but we did it and we read four books and one of them was called The League and it was about the starting of the NFL and if you haven't read it it's pretty amazing. There were so many stops and starts and failures in Cleveland to survive mm-hmm. all of it and um, the story of Paul Brown and all the things that happened here in Cleveland. Truly, truly amazing. But it's taken a community. And even to bring it back, I know Carol Hoover (laughs) was part of the kind of getting it back and bringing the team back. Um, That's part of our history too, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And we have always thought, we we knew this team didn't belong to us. We definitely know that we're just kind of keepers of it for a a period of time. And we hope to do as good a job as we can during that period of time. It -hmm. it belongs to Ohio and Northeast Ohio. Mm
0: -hmm. What were the other three books? (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh, um, Phil Nice's book, Shoe Dog, uh-huh. which was really good, made a great appreciation for Nike now. Um, yeah. The Paul Brown book, which is an old faded paperback that I had, had never read. And then I can't remember the other one now, but <laughs> they were great. <laughs>
0: um, the NFL ownership, all, uh, the whole group of NFL owners have had to deal with some real big challenges in recent years. Um, the Colin Kaepernick kind of catalyzed a broader conversation about racial justice and systemic racism and, um, and social justice, and at the same time as the, as the NFL has had to deal with um, player safety concerns. Um, and I wanted to give you a chance to kind of tell us how you see these, these two big issues um, and, and what you think about for the, you know, how the Browns are distinguishing themselves now and in the future around these issues?
3: Yeah, well, let's start start with uh, social justice. I mean, it was to us, um, you know, we, it was something we hadn't put a lot of thought into, mm-hmm. and so when it came up, shame on us for not sitting down with our players way before that. Mm-hmm. And 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 way, be, you know, when it first came up, we should have sat down that day and say, okay, tell, explain to us what what are we missing here? What's going on? Uh, what are the issues? And once we did that, is when we realized there's some we can do a lot. Mm-hmm. The NFL has a platform that's truly amazing. So through through work and social justice, I mean, we got involved here. You know, talked to players, spent time with our players. You know, exposed them to a day-long day long um, day in the prison system, which is great information for them to learn and then got involved with edwin's and the lutheran uh, metropolitan ministry and towards employment and those are just great organizations i mean there's there's so much that can be done and then uh, politically been in policy being involved uh, in social justice so for us it's a great opportunity and Mm -hmm. and even though it was a hard really hard thing to work through I think we've landed in a good place and very important place uh, for mm-hmm. this community and certainly for our country
0: those three organizations you mentioned do really important work right, with the right. reentry community and you know returning citizens and helping to reintegrate <laughs> them into the workforce and into their back into their communities um, how did you how did you go from this, these huge conversations about whether or not it's okay to take a knee during the national anthem to concrete work here in the community that you just described.
3: I mean, sitting down with the players and sitting down in the community, working with the police chief, I mean, really starting to understand how this community works, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think it's great work and those organizations are amazing organizations and I think we can do a lot of great work in the future. Um, with reform, and I, I think it's important work for us to do. It's, it's meaningful to our players, but I think it's meaningful to this community.
0: As you bring on new talent, um, and is that something that excites the the new players?
3: Y- yeah, engages I mean, the new players. I, I mean, mean, it's one these of those things. Sort of like the, there's football and then there's We a very the young team. Yeah. So um, a, a very very young team, and so with that comes just the maturity of what they, they take on for their, themselves and their cause and their beliefs. And they all come from different backgrounds and believe different things and are interested in different things. So, but we spend a lot of time talking about it and educating them. They know our platforms are mm-hmm. um, chronic absenteeism, youth football, and social justice. Mm-hmm. They know that. And, and whether they choose to be involved in those specific issues or they have their own, which mm-hmm. some of them do, um, you know, we work with them on that too.
0: Chronic absenteeism, talk about that.
3: Okay, so uh, when, I, I don't know if, if some of you heard the story, we talked about it the other day, but um, we spent some time, when we came, we've always been involved in education, so the first place we went, Renee Harvey and I went and met with Eric Gordon, the school district, to see what, how can we help kids in Cleveland, what can we do? And uh, he said, well, we have a huge problem. 35% of our kids in Cleveland are chronically absentee. That means they miss 10 or more days. If you miss 10 or more days, you're more than likely gonna get behind, and there's a good chance you won't graduate. So that's a big deal. He said, you could just help us with, start with messaging, help us with me- messaging. So we, sh- we said, sure, and we went back to our players and our coaches, and they said they'd be willing to help get the, the word out. and. Um, then we went back and said, okay, we got the messaging done. What's causing these kids not to go to school? So then attacking the barrier. So we, we partnered up with Shoes and Clothes for Kids and now provide uniforms, which you would not think that was a big deal, but it's a huge deal. Huge deal. Some families just struggled with, with getting the uniforms and keeping them clean, it was a big deal to them. Uh, and then we've been working on transportation because that's another huge obstacle um, the kids getting to school, um, and since we started work, and it's it's the great work of the of the school of Eric Gordon and his team. Um, but since we started work with the, with the partnership, um, 4,100 more kids are um, attending school on a regular basis, which is which is a pretty big deal. Which is a drop from 35% to 31%, which isn't where we need to be in Ohio. There's 260,000 kids that are chronically absent and their measurement in the state of Ohio is 18 days. So if you miss 18 days, how far behind are you? We have a stronger um, uh, ratio a lo- lower here. Yeah, barrier, lower, lower. yeah, we try to keep it lower. Uh, Erica's really smart to do that. and but it's a huge problem and so we've taken now the program statewide working Mm -hmm. with ODE and improving ground out of Boston so we're making strides we have a lot of work to do we look for partners engage kids go to schools we put in athletic fields because that fits us uh, well but we need people involved in the arts and the music to keep kids engaged so they show up and go to school
0: even though I mean there are other barriers, right? It's not just a lack of engagement. The Every
3: district has a different, they have different right. barriers, right?
0: Right, so th- you mentioned transportation as being a barrier and you, you're trying to help out with that. What exactly can you do
3: as well, the
0: Browns Foundation?
3: So what we did is, that uh, I know a few people at the University of Tennessee, and so um, the logistics department is one of the best in the country, if not arguably one of the best in the world, they have a tremendous logistics department. They came up and did a study on lo- the logistics system, and what you find out is that you, you devise a route for the kid for the kids, but our population moves so much yeah. that there may not be any, but they they're not at that stop. So it, the energy it takes, it needs to be in real time where these kids are. So we provided the te- the technology will will be in place so you know your kid, how many kids got on that spot where where that child is and then it, they actually made it to school. If they don't, you know, they're called immediately. The parents are called immediately. It's the it's safety. It's knowledge on where these kids are. It's it's actually a perfect system. We don't know how much it's going to move the dial, but it is a barrier that we're working on.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a school in Newark, New Jersey where they, um, they had an empty classroom. They filled it with washers and dryers. Yeah, for the families we've talked about well. that too. Yeah, because sometimes it's just there's, they don't have clean clothes and they know that their clothes are dirty and smell bad, and so they don't want to co- go to school.
3: It's well, schools are actually, you know, even through Say Yes, they're becoming community centers, which is, is going to be really interesting to see how that evolves.
0: Um, it was only recently, a couple of years ago, you stepped away completely from River Media. The, well, I did well, and I didn't. You did and you did. You well, okay. <laughs>
3: I didn't, I didn't. So <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> well,
0: So how much did you step away?
3: Um, I, you know, when, when the more and more we got involved in Cleveland and the Browns and then took on the crew, I realized that the, and then five grandchildren and you, parents, you don't have a lot of time, so you have to pick and choose. I have a great female partner uh, now in um, Tennessee that runs that company, and she's outstanding. So I'm an executive producer and I still work on, I don't do day-to-day operations or work on program. I'm not in the field, which uh-huh. I really miss. Yeah. But um, as far as development and just the overall running of the company, I'm involved to, to a degree. I spend about you know, three or four hours a week on it, not a lot.
0: You started in the media business when you were 17 years old, answering phones for your dad's company. Um, and there must have been several points along the way where you asked yourself, is this really what I want to keep doing? Or maybe yeah. there weren't. Maybe it was
3: always like never this. Wanted, is- I never wanted to do that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think if you ask half the people in the room, you never didn't journey out to think that you're going to be here at the City Club. Right? No, no, <laughs> never, like, no. yeah. So I, I, you know, never thought we'd have an NFL team. I never thought that I'd be a television producer. Um, I, I think what happens is the shoemaker's daughter. I mean, I, that's all I ever knew and. Going to college, that wasn't particularly a major then. I was an art major. Uh, and I, I really just wanted to be an artist. And so I haven't gotten to do that yet, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to. I'm My next career, I'm going to do that. <laughs> but um, it, I, I think it's just you grow up around the table, and then you get a job, and you make money, and then you just keep trying to, to make it to, to keep that job. So sure. I think that's how it happened. I ended up loving it. It's very creative. And most of all, I love the relationships I developed within the industry, that I have long-standing these relationships the, from people from different networks, from all over the place, and uh, uh, within the company. And that's, th- those are the things I treasure about it. Not so much what we produce, because it was kind of light entertainment, but it was fun.
0: There's some odd programs you produced.
3: Yeah, there's a few. Most of them I'm pretty proud of, a few you know. <laughs> Again, you had to get that paycheck in. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, do, you, do
0: you, you said you missed the day-to-day. What was the, 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 the day-to-day operation, the day-to-day production stuff that you love the most?
3: Oh, I mean, it's all about relationships. I mean, yeah. you just miss. You know, when I made the decision, OK, I'm going to step away and, and not go be there, um, the saddest thing was stepping away from all those people. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I see them now, but it's not quite the same as being involved in every aspect of the business. So, I, I think that it's always about relationships. I mean, you go deep in those relationships and you, that's mm-hmm. what you miss the most.
0: You were just saying a second ago that you never sort of set out to do to do X or Y. That you weren't, you, you know, you didn't set out to be a television producer. I not have a great strategic vision. yeah. Yet, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> and you didn't set out to become uh, owner of an NFL franchise. Um, you now find yourself after this this journey, or at this point in your journey, um, in a position of tremendous influence, um, where you have the resources to move the needle on major civic issues that have really been uh, vexing for the entire community. Um, and that must be really, I mean, both gratifying and daunting
3: for you. Terrifying sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember some, uh, somebody, it may have been my husband, who said, Dee, be careful what you say because it, it, they may believe you and do that. I'm like, <laughs> You're right. I to mean, think about that sometimes. <laughs> because you get, and you, I don't really think about it like that. I've always been in, in relationship with the people I work with in relationship. And I expect to push back and all that. So when people don't push back at me, I'm like, what's wrong with you? You need to tell me what you really think. And so that's been something I've had to mm-hmm. kind of get used to is that I need to be careful kind of what I say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really. yeah.
3: not And if you know me well enough, you know I'm not very good at that. <laughs>
0: Um, do you are there other issues where you you know you've talked about absenteeism and the reentry community and social justice um, social justice is a really big set of issues right there um, but are there are there other areas where you see in our community here in Cleveland or across the nation where you think oh God we just got this all wrong we need to start doing something different
3: well I think the, you know sports are um, have that tremendous ability to impact people, so I think um, that uh, social justice obviously for the NFL is really important. I think you mentioned health and safety. I mean, we work really hard um, developing a youth sports program here with Modified Tackle to teach kids actually how to keep their head up and how to play correctly and what the rules are and really promote safety. And we work with university hospitals, with Dr. Vuce on health and sports safety for like hydration for youth. There's If you're hydrated, you can prevent a lot of injuries. So we talk a lot about that. That That is a, a big focus for us. So we I think we can make a big impact in health and safety for not just football but for all sports and for even it impacts the military because we're mm-hmm. developing helmets it's so interesting you know you'd think there would be a lot of advancement in helmets at one time but until the nfl turned around and looked at kind of all the helmet manufacturers there was really no research done mm-hmm. on kind of how it's fitted and what it's done and now the nfl is involved and there's been mil- multi-millions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars now put into the technology of the helmets which will impact Everything, um, all kinds of sports and military and uh, um, motorcycle riding—even—it's going to mm-hmm. impact everything. The development of these helmets.
0: Mm-hmm. There's also been like some subtle shifts in the in the rules of play.
3: Oh yeah, not so subtle. And not a so lot, subtle. Some <laughs> not so subtle. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Have you? Um, can you take us at all inside the the NFL ownership conversations around these things?
3: I sure. I mean, we work really well. Um, as a group, I mean, we don't always agree on everything, but we always look at, at the integrity of the game is so important, and then health and safety is so important, so that comes over everything we do. I mean, we really, as a, as a group, understand that the future of the game is dependent upon health and safety, the future of the game is dependent on integrity. When you're talking about sports betting, integrity becomes really high on the list of what the NFL stands for. So I think all the owners are in agreement on the big issues. There's always gonna be little issues, but we have great convers we have really interesting conversations. I mean Mm -hmm. these Stand up. I mean, some of the owners are very vocal. You can imagine who they are, <laughs> but um, and they no, they, no, who they, are? No, they, they stand up and, and have an opinion, and it's 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 kind of like what the city club stands for is that civil discourse discourse that we are able to have in a room, which is fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, before we go to questions for to the Q and A with the audience, um, you uh, you invested in a soccer team recently? Yes, Columbus Crew. Right. Um, talk about that i mean that's a that's an that's an interesting decision
3: oh yeah it was it was one of those (laughs) dinner table decisions with my son-in-law um jimmy and i and our daughter whitney were having about we're just having dinner and we thought how terrible it would be for ohio and columbus to lose a sports team it happened here in cleveland it can't happen so we just picked up the phone and kind of inquired about it. And next thing you know. <laughs> uh, and we know, we, we do know a lot more about soccer now, but at that point, we only knew what our five-year-old <laughs> could do with a soccer ball on a field. On a, on a, on a small about field,
0: about the size yeah, of the that, stage, right, yeah. He was, and he's
3: really good. Yeah. But um, we had no idea what we were getting into. Uh, quite a journey. But really interesting and working um, re- it was really fast, um, and and what had to get done was pretty amazing. But we're excited to be part of the MLS. It's uh, very different, but but a, but a lot of fun. I mean, our, our players from all over the world. Um, Jimmy introduced himself to one of our uh, new players, Diaz, the other the other day, and the guy just looked at him like I don't know, I understand a word you said. And then his, then the next player next to him interpreted it for me. He goes, ah. Oh! <laughs> and so, he's just like,
0: who's this guy? Who's this guy?
4: <laughs> who's this yeah. guy he's
0: talking? Yeah, about?
3: Yeah, he, yeah, he had no idea what he was saying.
0: Are there are there other NFL owners who also own an MLS? Oh yeah, team? Yeah, 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 yes,
3: yes. The craft, so you're calling
0: him all the time and saying Rockies, like, well, the Hunt
3: family. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the crew is the was the first MLS soccer team in the in the country. The first stadium. I mean, it's got it's got that same history. Uh, passionate, passionate fans. Uh, it's trem- it's tremendous.
0: Um, I noticed, couldn't help but notice the ads for them last night during the game. So well played. Um,
3: Come on down. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's yeah. It's it's not a. They're it's coming not, up. It's you not a big drive. Yeah. It's not a big drive. Um, are we going to see them on television? We're going to. Is that that's going to happen too?
3: Well, y- y- Hopefully, that would be that would be a big big important part of this next. This whole. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, we're pl- we're playing better and and we'll get more exposure. We're excited about it.
0: It's uh, soccer has been there's been a dream that Major League Soccer would one day be like a real like be you know as important as, as baseball, basketball or football. That's been a thing like a, a sort of a drive or a, a dream for a long time. What does it need? Because it, it has there are so many children who play the game.
3: It's a baby. I mean it's still in its infancy. I mean you can, it's, NFL's 100 years old. I mean we gotta yeah. and that when you're looking back at the NFL history 75 years ago, it was ugly. There was a lot of stops and starts. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think the MLS is making great progress. It, mm-hmm. it just is progress. And it takes some time. And as we add teams and become um, more ingrained in the cities, it, 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 it will grow. And it's a great sport. So you're right. It, it, I think it will continue to grow.
0: All right, you ready for some questions from the audience? Sure. All right, so let me just uh, reset here. I'm Dan Malthrop, chief executive here at the City Club. We're with Dee Haslam, co-owner of the Cleveland Browns and Columbus Crew, or investor in the Columbus Crew. I think there's a distinction there, not owner, ownership, investor. We talked about that earlier. I'm probably getting it wrong. That's fine. We're about to begin the audience <laughs> Q&A. Um, we welcome questions from everyone. May we have our first question, please?
3: Hi, Dee. Thanks so much for being here. Um, As one of the few women owners in the NFL, we know that with every professional field, once women start uh, joining, there are adjustments and growing pains in an all-male-dominated space. So I was curious around the owners. um, As more women have entered the ownership space, what adjustments and growing pains has the NFL gone through to help bring you in as, as part of the group? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. But women have been part of the NFL for the last hundred years, really. But if you look at the McClaskey family uh, up in Chicago. Um, or, or you look at the Ford family with Martha Ford. So we sit right next to Martha Ford and she's, I believe Martha's 90, but just extremely active and extremely vocal within the organization. So they've been, they've been there. They may not have been as vocal as some of the others, but the influence they've had on the NFL has been there for a long time. So I can't, I can't say that, that me and the other, the other women, the newer women within the organization Um, have had the influence that they have had. So you look at Mrs. Rooney um, and just kind of her journey along with the Rooney family. I mean they've been intricately involved uh, in, in the NFL. The NFL is is fortunate enough to have a lot of executive women within the organization that work day to day in the NFL. So they do the hard work day to day, and they're tremendous. So women are very much involved in the NFL, have been involved in the NFL, but I do do think that it's just more visible now. But thank you for the question.
2: Uh, good afternoon. My name is Merle Johnson. I'm a member of the Ohio Board of Education, and. On behalf of the Ohio Board of Education and the Ohio Department of Education Mm -hmm. and the state of Ohio and the families and children, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your help, what you're doing with the chronic absenteeism. Thank Thank you you so much. And so my question, um, I taught uh, 40 years in Cleveland schools and one of the hardest jobs I ever had to do was to try to encourage my young men who were determined to make it to the NFL, even though I see the stats that say, I think it says 9 in 10,000 are actually ever drafted. Uh, So if you were sitting in front of a group of young guys, how would you convince them to continue pursuing their dream, but at the same time not crushing their dream about, (laughs) will you really ever get there?
3: You know, it's so interesting because, you know, we're looking at our roster right now and um, we'll be doing cuts in a few weeks, down 90 to 53, and those players, even though they've made it this far, are going to have to face that same question. So, um, you know, what am I going to do with my career? What am I going to do with my life? I I think the message has to be that, is that you may make it the NFL, but... You still have to have a plan for your life and a plan for your career. And our, our players now, many of them have that mindset. When they come in, in the NFL, they know it's short-lived. We, they're talked about it a long time, is that you have to have a plan for your life. We don't care just about them as football players. We care about them as men. And and we 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 take that on is that we want you to be successful in life as much as you are on the field. So I, I think you can just talk to, to the young men like that, hopefully. Dee, it's wonderful to hear how you incorporate your values into the the business of running an NFL team. Tell us a little bit about your what you have valued in growing the leadership. Within a, the Cleveland Browns and and developing the team over the last several years to where you are today What are the key elements in leadership that you think have been helpful to you? Ooh. Mm. Um We've had a few stops and starts along the way um, I and and um, As much as we would have liked to have come in here and had a winning team on day one um, the the journey that the Browns have taken and has been um, a hard rocky road. But um, I think our your leadership kind of rises up during that, and your culture grows together in that journey. So I think we've learned a lot about, obviously people lessons, but a, a lot about how, um, to bring that culture together and um, how, what, er, how each individual helps each other. I mean, you, last night when we talked about that team falling on each other really matters. The leadership also really matters. I mean, what we were really excited about, I don't know if you, anybody just watched Baker on the sideline, um, which was something to watch. If you watch the next uh, exhibition game, just watch him. He's, he's involved in every single play, encouraging part of it. And you have to have that out of your players and your leaders and our other, um, you know, Miles Garrett. You have to have them and Odell and Jarvis. They have to be present and encouraging. And I think that's what we've learned so much um, through this process. So that was a good, pure example of last night, how far we've evolved.
0: I heard um, Baker compared very favorably to Francisco Lindor last night. Yeah, sort of that. He, that he's it. a
3: fan, by the way. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. We've got another question over here.
4: Hi, just a quick thought to follow up the other one. For those who have a passion for football, even if they're not going to play in the, in the game, are there not many other opportunities within the team organization? Sales, communication, finance, marketing. I mean, probably for every player on the field, there's another. Dozen people associated with a team, correct?
3: A- Absolutely. I mean, there's you know dozens of careers involved in sports for sure. I mean, one of the things we work on is you know developing young coaches. You know, there's an internship program within the NFL that that does that, especially for minority coaching. So there's there's tremendous opportunity of if you're not going to be a player on the on the field for for sure. And a lot of these young men. Um, do pursue a career in scouting or, or coaching. So you're right. Uh, and, and coaching youth, is there anything better than, than um, being a high school football coach or a coach of youth sports? And so many people are involved in coaching sports. It's really important part of, of what we do. Great, thank
0: you. Thanks. Next question.
2: Up next, we have a Twitter question. Since you've expanded into MLS, what do you think about bringing the WNBA back to Cleveland?
3: Oh, well,
2: <laughs> I haven't
3: thought about it since we didn't give any thought to the MLS, <laughs> really. It will, it will probably be one of those opportunities that comes to us. but. Um, um, the, I think we've got our hands full with, the, with um, <laughs> ensuring the Browns is, are, is continuing to grow and be successful and taking on uh, the Columbus Crew. So right now, I think we have our hands full. We're, we're just going to focus it, on that. It,
0: but, it, I mean, it's not necessarily something you need to take on, but it's something you would encourage, no doubt.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic. I mean, I think, I think sports for community are tremendous, and especially for women. That would be fantastic. I believe mm-hmm. in that.
0: Okay. Next question. Thank you, Dee, uh, for everything that you said. Um, those NFL owners' conversations, do any of them center around the fact that NFL players are at high risk for Alzheimer's uh, because of traumatic brain injuries? And what, what do they plan to do about it? Uh, we can help.
3: Well, we, well, thank you for that question. We have actually spent you know, millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, for research and science. And, uh, as I was talking about the helmets earlier, we do believe that we'll make some great breakthroughs um, and continue to work really hard on that. And the owners are committed and dedicated because the health and safety of the game is our future. I mean, our players have to be healthy, uh, and that does impact the game. So we i think you'll see an ownership that's passionate all over it and understand the importance—not just for fo- football, but what the impact it can have on on everything from sports to military. It's really important work we do. So thank you.
2: Ms. Haslam, I'm Marcella Brown with Lutheran Metropolitan Ministry, and I just want to thank you for your support of our organization. Uh, my question is around social justice and the organization's commitment to social justice. wanted to know if the Browns organization would ever consider banning the box on applicants that apply for employment with the organization, and also what are some of the ways that the players have expressed they would like to be involved in social justice?
3: Yeah, I mean, our players, I mean, obviously, when we sit down our players, they're, they're the ones that said, you know, we care about this. We're not exactly sure what to do. Like, they're, they're young men who have a career playing football, but, but they said, we, we want to be involved. So your support and your organization's support has been tremendous in what you do in this community is fanta- fantastic. Public policy, there is so much that can happen in public policy and we are part of that dialogue and wanna be more a part of that dialogue. Can I see us being involved there uh, doing that? I, I can see that we, that in the future that we'll continue to look at, at things like you're talking about there with checking the box or, or other, many other issues I think we need to, we, we need to look at and take on. I think there's so much we can do. Um, in, in reform, so you're, you're right on there. We just have to keep working on it. So thank you. Were,
0: were there specific things about that the players brought up that they wanted the team to get? You behind? know
3: the, what what we took on is our yes. They had some specific things. They were a lot of them had. A relationship or somebody and they worked in their community mm-hmm. on certain issues so it becomes community they live in, in they go back home to their communities and they they get involved there too so each of them have a, a little bit different issue or things they care about mm-hmm. but we, we've been trying to educate them on public policy of how much can be done mm-hmm. th- through the political process so they're learning a lot and we are too as we go through it in, in that
0: moment the couple of years ago when when colin kaepernick was making headlines and and it became this very divisive issue inside the nfl um, it didn't seem to to divide your team the browns at all you, you all seem to handle it much better than a lot of other teams and i wonder if there was if there are any stories you want to share from that moment
3: well i think i did share that story is that yeah. as soon as we shame on us, realize that, wait a minute, we don't just sit down and talk to our players when an issue comes up. Let's mm-hmm. sit down, you know, because they they have a point of view, and yeah. let's find out what it is. They know a lot more than we do about certain issues, and so to be able to sit down with them, I, I think we, we didn't do it as quickly as we should have, but we did it quicker than a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a process. And so we were lucky to have leadership on the team mm-hmm. also as well that, that went all in. So we, it, it was a, it, it was definitely a process and a learning process for us, mm-hmm. but I think talking and communication is really critical.
0: Was that the beginning? Do you think that's connected to the culture shift that you've experienced in yeah, these last
3: I, few I, years? Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, pile on last I think night. we've grown a lot as, as individuals, and I think our team has grown a lot. And right. Uh And the leadership within our team right now, these are really fine young men. We're really proud of the work they're doing both on and off the field. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, let's take another question. In the NBA, there's been some discussion, uh, mostly I believe from the players, about the term
4: owners. Um, I'm just kind of curious of what your perspective is because of that negative connotation. And is that a topic that comes up with the players? Is there discussion from the NFL owners? And what's your perspective on
3: well, that? Well, I mean, the topic comes up within the Players Association for sure. I mean, and the NFL works with the Players Association, I think, really well to work on, on a, a myriad of issues from, from, but I mean, it's a partnership um, between the Players Association and the NFL. It's definitely a partnership. You, you work with the players, it's really important to work well with the players, the players' association, and then for them to work well with us, and you know, we look at um, it, it. We look at that within our organization too. It's definitely a partnership with our players, and that's the reason we got so involved in social justice. That's the reason we sit down quicker with our players because we are in a partnership. So, you know, our, our you know, it, for us, it's really important that they feel this connection to Cleveland, and. And we talk about that and get them involved in Cleveland. That's really important to us, too. And I think you'll see our players out and about a lot um, because we do want that partnership. They know how committed we are to Cleveland. We want our players to feel that same commitment. So thank you.
0: Somebody's watching a <laughs> clip, apparently, <laughs> over there.
3: Yes, D. Thanks for being here today. And I want to just say thanks to you and Jimmy for everything you do. We're proud and fortunate to have you here in Cleveland. Thank you. Um, What's threaded through your beyond the field conversation is really obviously a commitment to servant leadership. And I was wondering if there was anything that you could share that what what was the personal catalyst or spark for you um, to really want to have both a business
4: career but a, a, a philosophy of ph- philanthropy and giving back and servant leadership?
3: Well, I mean, we've always as a family been very involved in our community in Tennessee. but. Coming to Cleveland, um, being, you know, you're, am um, 65 now, I shouldn't have said that publicly, but. Um, when we came here, I guess I was 58, but um, to move somewhere, when you've lived somewhere all your life, and then to suddenly move to a new city, like Cleveland, uh, and learn a town, and be in, get involved, um, was a little daunting, and a little overwhelming, but really exciting. I mean, what we, we had no expectation of Cleveland, and what we've learned, uh, this is a tremendous town, it, a com- tremendous community with three sports teams, the culture is unbelievable. Uh, the community involvement is tremendous. I mean, we could not be more delighted that Cleveland picked us or we picked Cleveland. We're not quite sure how that happened, but we, that we, we really do believe it is a place we are meant to land. And um, it's our obligation uh, to give back as much as we can uh, to this community, I mean, we talk all the time. What can we do to make uh, help make this community better? And, um, and there's been some time with Mayor Jackson on what can we do. We're here, <laughs> and one of the best things we can do, though, one of the best things we can do, uh, is put a winning team on the field. And, and I know, oh, good. <laughs> so just just one quick quick statistic is that. Um, you can imagine the kind of the hits we're getting online, you know, and the, and the and the focus. So we look at one data. So we had these YouTube videos, right? And it measures how many are from Ohio and how many are from out of the state of Ohio. Seventy-five percent are from the out of the state. What? Now, really? Yes. So the focus that the browns bring or 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 the sports teams bring to this community is friends so you don't think about the exposure so you know uh, that that's just youtube hits on on the video so you are not even measuring all the other media the exposure that cleveland gets from well, us a browns putting brown's a good
0: bar like anywhere in the <laughs> right the passionate
3: fans but yeah. we're talking about people that are not Necessary passionate Browns fans. It's just the exposure it brings to Cleveland, and we're getting the draft uh, in um, twenty
0: one.
3: And that exposure. I mean, I mean, look, we've always already done tremendous work uh, when we hosted the RGA um, for the convention. Mm-hmm. And the um, exposure from the All Star Game mm-hmm. was tremendous, but we know we're gonna the, the city's gonna blow it out of the park there, <laughs> or or the field on draft, and and the exposure it's gonna get uh, nationally uh, is gonna or internationally really uh, for Cleveland is gonna be tremendous because the draft if you if you watch the Nashville Draft all, they talk about Nashville the whole time they're gonna talk about Cleveland the whole time so we're mm-hmm. really proud we think we can bring. Our contribution there is, let's put a winning team on the field, I think we can really make a difference to shine a light on what a great place this is.
0: Wonderful. Thank you.
3: You touched a little bit upon the impact, the
4: economic impact of bringing the draft to Cleveland. Can you just share a little bit about um, the way you conceive of the Browns' impact on economic development more broadly
2: in this region?
3: Well, I mean, we we do think about that. I mean, we 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 we've taken a lot of look at, um, you know, where our stadium is and how it connects the city and what that could mean for that connection. So I, I think we'll work hard on kind of the overall view of connecting us, the city, and and the uh, um, across to the. We've got to be able to have access to the water. This great city needs that access to the water. So we talk about that a lot. If you have come to our games, getting in and out of our games can be a little challenging. <laughs> so we're hoping that we we contribute back. We're going to be very involved in the community, but we hope we can contribute if we can contribute back and solve help solve some of those issues. That maybe it will help in economic development, which I, I think it could. So. We're working there, and it, we'll see. It, there's a lot of hard work. A lot of people before ha- us has wor- have worked really hard on that. So, you know, hopefully, we will, can we can continue that hard work and be able to make some some strides there.
1: You've had a successful career in Knoxville in media, and now with the Browns, hopefully, a international kind of success. What was your hardest decision and why?
3: Hardest decision just since we've been had the Browns no, in, general, in life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just us.
3: Marrying my husband probably. There's been some long questions there. So. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Um, Look, I think your hardest decisions, if you're looking from, from uh, they're always personal, right, it's your family decisions, always the hardest decisions. Uh, coming here to Cleveland was a hard decision, right? My parents are in Knoxville, Tennessee. They're 87 years old. You know, um, my family, we have deep roots there. I had to leave, you know, eventually leave my career. I mean, there's been some hard decisions there. Um, it, you know, if you look back on it, you're like, were you crazy to give up your whole life? I mean, um, Jimmy's family's company's there. He's worked his entire life at Pilot Flying J to build that company, um, and and all of these things. We, I don't think we weigh them in enough before we said, oh, let's buy an NFL team. It sounds like fun. I don't think all that realizes that when you buy an NFL team, you are committed to that community and get up there and be involved. And I I think that has been one of the hardest things we've had to kind of, that realization of, oh, this is real and, and we're committed here and we've left family, coworkers, a lot of friends, a life uh, in another community. And that, that's been hard. It's been, it, it, it was a hard decision. It, we obviously didn't put a lot of thought into it, we, but it, in retrospect, um, it was challenging and hard.
0: Next question.
4: Uh, good afternoon, welcome to Cleveland. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank um, you I don't get tired doing. of hearing that. Yeah. Thank you for all you're doing. You've picked up that football is maybe even more important than you think so far to everybody in Cleveland. And it's not just the current team and winning that's true, but there's people like Jim Brown and Ernie Green. Have you ever thought of building, they did this for the Reds in Cincinnati, have you ever thought of building a Cleveland Browns professional football Hall of Fame for our Hall of Famers in Cleveland? And as a side note, I'm actually talking with your marketing manager
2: <laughs>
4: at the Browns, okay. at the Browns, to try to get them to get Jim Brown and Ernie Green, the starting backfield for the 1964 championship Browns. Ernie's in Ohio, Jim's working for you guys. You could get them to run out for the coin toss, and Cleveland Stadium would go crazy Have, you, the seen, first...
3: have you seen Jim <clears throat> run lately? <laughs> <laughs>
4: I don't, I, don't care how, I don't care how he gets there. Jim, I'm but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> to have Jim Brown and Ernie Green run out for the coin toss would be incredible.
3: Good, good idea. Uh, I, uh, Dave Freeman, who runs our marketing team, does a great job and is very creative. And I'll definitely put that on on the Hall of Fame, uh, the Fame issue for the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, we're we're putting in the statues. Um, which hopefully that is, is some honor to them. But we agree with you. It's just space and remodeling and time. But that is something we definitely, connection to the city, it's, it's things that we need to put in our, our plans. It's, it's a really good idea. And we have talked about it, thought about it. It's, it's just a matter of space, when, where, how. But a good idea. So thank you.
4: Hi, good afternoon. Uh, d- during the uh, summer, the Brownstein Cream Hunt and uh, yes. Obviously, a little controversial. I was just curious what involvement ownership had in the decision, and, and what involvement ownership had in, in other types of football decisions.
3: Okay, so so on the, that decision, uh, very involved, right? Um, serious issues. Uh, Kareem has, you know, uh, that that was really hard. So we sat down with Kareem a couple of times actually um, to get to know him as a person, and I think that's what everybody forgets.
0: For for folks who aren't familiar, can you describe the controversy without getting too? Oh yeah, detailed? yeah, yeah.
3: Kareem, uh, Kareem was involved in an altercation, um, um, a couple of altercations, inappropriately um, f- uh, force and violence, especially mm-hmm. on. And uh, one of them the, in one case it was a female, um, and that that was just really hard to take and to see and to watch and very serious. And so with Kareem, we we sat down and. Said, you know, if you're going to be a football player, your life has to change, uh, or you're never going to meet there. And and John Dorsey knew him um, from along all along the way. He's he he's known Kareem. Kareem's from this area. Um, has has a really has had a really challenging background. And so, in the process of speaking with him, it, you know, and and the, just as a young man, can can we get this? guy a chance to make it if he can turn his life around. It's entirely up to him, entirely. So counseling, hard work, if he could do it that would be a great story and and good for people to see that you can change and you can be different. So we're working really hard with Kareem, he's working, it's actually up to him, he's working really hard, we'll see. It's up to him. So yeah, we're involved on something like that, absolutely. We're going to weigh in on that. We're, we're involved, we're, you know, um, uh, John Dorsey and his team have done a great job picking the players. We're not, we, we know about it, but we're not picking players. So yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're asking. But we're, we're definitely involved on, on issues like that. So thank you.
0: But your decision, your ultimate decision there really seems to be values driven. In terms of similar to what Sally was saying earlier about, you know, and, and your work with Lutheran Metropolitan Ministries and others around the reentry, this belief in second chances or that people can improve?
3: Well, I mean, I, we, I, we, we all have issues. Yeah. I do. Too. And, and um, we definitely believe that, the, that there's value in, in, in each other and in human beings, and that these are young men and if they can change their lives, we want to be able to give them that second chance. So yes, we do.
0: Well, Dee Haslam, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that I'm glad you didn't give it a ton of thought because <laughs> that, with that tough decision you mentioned earlier, because you might not have you might not have come to Cleveland. And we're really glad that you're here we're in Cleveland. Be, we're we're really, really glad to be here.
3: Thanks for having me. Really
0: appreciate it. Today at the City Club, we've been enjoying a forum, a conversation with Dee Haslam, co-owner of the Cleveland Browns and the Columbus Crew. Thank you, members and friends of the City Club. Our, and Sally, will you please ring the gong because our forum is adjourned. <laughs> For information I really for these appreciate it. or for participants of
1: the City Club, go to cityclub.org.
4: Production and
0: distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support
4: of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua
0: Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.